Greetings, Space Burgers, and welcome to the Space Cave. A big warg to all of you. Welcome to our little cave out here in the furthest reaches of our known universe, all safely tucked in, away from all the catastrophes and calamities of life as we know it. Hopefully, things are going well. Before we get into it, just a reminder that the Junk Show is always the second Sunday of every month. The next one is coming up March 8th which is the same day as the Los Angeles Marathon, which my guest today will be running to raise money for St. Jude's. You can follow him online and look him up. And I hope you do, because he's great. And he's someone that pursues what he loves, makes cool stuff, and does it for, it's always hard to say the right reasons, but you know when you meet someone, you're like, ah, they're really doing it because they love it. And sometimes you follow something you, you like, And maybe it's a little challenging to stick with it. You get discouraged. If that in any way applies to you or sounds familiar, I think you'll like this episode. He's just really got a great mindset as to um, what keeps him going and why I think he'll like it. He has a short that's available currently on Amazon called Give It Up. And uh, I think it's great. We've screened it at the Junk Show. I think it's fantastic. And if you uh, look at the uh, photo or follow him on social media, you'll see his face. I'm like, oh, I know that guy. What do I know him from? He's, he's one of those dudes. He's just in everything. And sooner or later, he'll be in something that everyone knows. And then you'll be like, oh, I knew him from way back in the space cave. Anyway, here's part one with my buddy, Matt Knudsen. Good call. Yeah, man. You can you can wear the headphones or not. It's sure. totally up to you. You don't you don't have to. You're a you're a pro. So you know, like to, <laughs> to ba- people come in here and bang on the table. Like, oh, I don't want to wear the headphones. I get that. No, it, this feels pretty good. Okay. Um, I don't know. One, your family spells it with an S E N. S E N. And why the breakaway from uh, canoe? I think of it as like Donald's son, Paul's son. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure. I don't know. There's no family. Li- we, with Huntsberger, were always told, like from the time I was a little kid, there's this like, we dig into the family history sure. and it's Bern, Switzerland, and Hun means people. Huns, Bern, was how mm-hmm. it started, we're Swiss. And um, family crest things, and that kind of tied into our family. They weren't spelled the same way. Uh-huh. It's, it's, you know, mutated a bunch. But I thought, ah, oh, great. And then we were in Bern, Switzerland, there were no Huntsburgers. Sure. <laughs> so there'd be some sort of like, my people. Yeah. Well, with some of our family lore is we, we took things from our past and then we incorporated other things that we liked. <laughs> well, that doesn't, that's just lying about your biography. Oh yeah, there was a small village just outside of Cologne. <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, as it was explained to me, there's a King Canute of Denmark and the whole lineage is Canute's Son. Like mm-hmm. if you're, and it's the different spellings. If you go there, it's like Johnson or Smith in America. It's like very common, but mm. you know, 
not based on any personal research you know <laughs> just something you heard i heard something that resonated with me slightly and i've been repeating it as the truth ever since uh <laughs> that's a convincing hallmark we don't research we're not a research people right we hear things right. we just kind of yeah. yeah i like that and we keep our feelings to ourselves that's a Knudsen tradition yeah <laughs> Yeah. Do you struggle with that? Keeping I, your feelings to yourself? Yeah, like you're married, you're, you know, when you, would your wife have to dig it out of you? Like, what's going on? And you're like, sometimes, well, most of the time when there's like any, ever any conflict, I just like sit there and just say nothing and just, you know, and just hope, hope it'll go away sooner than later. Um, <laughs> but then also, too, it frustrates my wife because I don't raise my voice. Mm-hmm. I, when we're in a like, and I'm air quoting argument, I'm still speaking in this exact same voice, just introducing my reasoning. And that just makes her almost even more upset. She's, you know, because she's, um, not that I'm coming off as like a pious, but I'm just like, I'm not getting upset. <laughs> the only one of us is getting upset. <laughs> But when so, you just did that, I can see how you, that's frustrating. You had a look in your eye that was uh, like eyes wide open, non blinking. Right. Yeah, that can seem like, oh, I think I'm maybe with a sociopath here. Right. He doesn't raise his voice. For the record, I never said I wasn't a sociopath. <laughs> just, that's just, true. That's that is true. I don't know if we've started recording yet, but I just want that on the record. I might be a sociopath. Uh, Cassie, can you run the tape back? <laughs> run the tape back, I think. Um, but yeah I uh, you know I grew up there wasn't a lot of like in my in my house I I think also too it's something about uh, growing up uh, in a conservative kind of Midwest family which is people you know I say we age like a fine wine and by that I mean keeping everything bottled in (laughs) just never Um, but I think that's what do you ever see the movie Nebraska yeah Uh, so you know where they all get together like so how'd you get here oh I took the 15 oh 15 that's good yeah it's good trick you know (laughs) anything besides like you know when you didn't listen to me it really hurt my feelings you know that's like that's not something that comes out Mm -hmm. yeah it would it would never be brought up like even we went pheasant hunting and talked about how grandpa blah 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 right does it ever come out somehow are you just I'm not going to say this third party. I'm not saying it at all. Right. I certainly wouldn't say it to their face. Right, right. It just never comes out. Um, bi- there's biography stuff. Uh, I don't remember a lot of the biography laced with emotion, personal feelings. It's like stories that someone did, uh, victories they had, tragedies that befell them. But it's not like, you know, he was suffering a lot of depression, so he drank a lot. Mm-hmm. It, there's not like that kind of stuff. It's more like, you know, it's I – don't, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. But it's not um, – I don't ever remember sitting down with my parents and they're like, how do you feel about this? Yeah. Do you, this is something of a question that you you stumble on something and you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, I I just thought of some thoughts that maybe I've been thinking of. I don't know if I have any hard set thoughts. Right. And in, in thinking that it's unfair to ask someone, what do you think about this? Right. Especially on like, you know, podcasts and things where then if someone shares it and go, look what these idiots think. Right, 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 right. But just (laughs) as a concept or a notion. Right. I wonder if there is any value in that. I was talking about this with someone recently mm-hmm. on the show that like the ability to squash down emotion, not good. Mm-hmm. You know, not it, it, people do bottle up and they, they blow up, but everyone now so in touch and so much with like accessing their emotion, talking about it with people. Right. Here's how you made me feel. Right. And no one's happy. Right. And it pres- like um, 
overwhelmingly, it seems like people that are in that space are the least happy because mm-hmm. they're always at, at, like assessing at every moment. I agree. And so to just shove it down and be like, it doesn't matter if I'm happy or not. I'm just yeah. going to keep it to myself and just move ahead. Yeah. Um, one of the cornerstones of my Hollywood experience is never forget how they treated you and never let them know that you remember. <laughs> See, I, people get on me sometimes. I remember the years passed when I would bring this up that I like to keep like a samurai mindset. Of course. I think it's the greatest culture. I couldn't agree more. Someone kills you and you go, that was a good death. Yeah. You're a good fighter. I'm honored to be slain by you. Mm-hmm. I'll be seeing you. Mm-hmm. And of and grudges and kind of like this person didn't show me respect. It's fine. I'm not going to even show that it bothered me, yeah. but I will never forget that. I will that. never forget this moment right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, too realizing um best case scenario worst case scenario it's usually a wash i'm gonna tell that person you didn't book me on your show and it's just like is that the thing that's just like you know what you're right i'm gonna book you on the show now (laughs) it's like just let it go do your own thing you know yeah scoreboard like, well, I didn't get on your show, but then I did the show and I did this. And, you know, it's it's tough because you're also like whatever, and I'm air quoting product you are, like, I have this that's available. And then when you hear no, you're like, ugh. But it can't take so much wind out of your sails that you're not viable in all these other areas of your life. Right. It's tough to do, but you get, you. I don't know that sharks learn how to just continuously swim forward, but at some point they're born and it's instinctual to do it. But I'm sure there's a little help from a parent. Like, sure. here's kind of what we do. Yeah. Whatever anything is doing that's learning it, you do kind of, I feel like as life goes on and maybe people learn differently. You know what? I stand up for myself now. I yeah. go up to them and I say, you never booked me on your show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've heard so many different stories. I, that tie into that or like a friend of mine. So I hear this person's name brought up from time to time. Mm-hmm. Who's, who's this in this story? And I won't name them, uh, but he used to host a show at the improv, a friend of mine who's doing fine now, sure, but was new to comedy showed up and went, Oh, Hey, um, if you have any extra room on your show tonight, I'd love to do a set. And that person went like, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll see. We're, we're pretty busy. Mm-hmm. And then my friend went and sat down and was having a chat with a good friend of theirs who happened to be, pretty well known mm-hmm. and then that person the, the person booking it who said no came over to the table boxed out my friend Eey. and just kind of looked at the more well known person was like hey we'd love to have you on the show if you'd do a set it'd be so great and then the well known person said I would love it. do you think so and so could as well right. points across the table and then he has to turn around and look and go yeah yeah we'd love to have yeah. you and yeah. when I heard that story I was just like what a perfect kind of LA thing that's right that's 10 seconds of total clarity mm-hmm. yeah here's I'm, I'm willing to humble myself for someone famous but if it's just to help someone who's on my level or less you can go fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs> well let me ask you this can you bring 14 friends <laughs> no <laughs> Uh, I can bring a nice round number of people to your show. Uh, Zero. Zero people. It's true. Yeah. um, I also, too, think there's real value in um, integrity and principle. And, you know, I say it all the time. The high road is the only place we're traveling. Mm -hmm. Because you have one name. You have one reputation. It's your full-time job to take care of it. So if anyone comes up and is like, "Ah, hey, Knutson, he's, he's a real dick. He's a piece of shit. I can, in my mind's mind, know like that's not true. You're mm-hmm. you're wrong. I'm right. Score, scoreboard. <laughs> you know, not in a, a, a egocentric way, but 
I treat people better than I treat myself most mm-hmm. of the time. I would I would have nothing but positive things to say. I wouldn't have you on this show or the junk show all the time. Oh, junk show. Love the junk show. Thanks, buddy. Let me ask, uh, and I, I'm sure your listeners know this, you have the ongoing animation part of the show. Yeah. Uh, what, what's, what's happening with the animation part? I don't know where you left off. We, we kind of changed it where it's just kind of take it as it goes kind of a thing mm-hmm. it used to be like listen we gotta get something tonight right who's gonna do it right and then someone I, I guess I just want this uncomfortableness to end sure and now it's if no one pops up we'll, alright we'll just move on so we've right. skipped a couple months well the last time I was there uh, Henry Phillips and his fiance yeah Deborah, newly engaged um, she did the animation part yeah so um, yeah she's good and she's got She gets, I think you know I only know her kind of peripherally we mm-hmm. interact very like mostly through email about the show and and she comes to the show we chat briefly mm-hmm. um but getting to know like everyone has a different uh maybe inspiration as to why they do it some mm-hmm. people are like i'm i'm always working on stuff that i don't really love and i right. got into animation to be creative right you have this little escape that gives me something where i can exercise that part of my brain mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. And hers is that, plus also like, oh, I'm just trying to get better at After Effects. Yeah. So she's always like, if you have something like that, so I need true. to push myself. That's right. And I was like, oh, this says a lot about you. You know, yeah. it's like, it's a good way to stay driven, but it's a good way to do it in where you have like something tangible afterward. Right. Hold you accountable. All these little things. Are, I was like, this is fascinating. Yeah. I learned a new component of, of a program that I used on this and education and bettering yourself that doesn't go away mm-hmm. especially too if you like learn something you're not just going well I, I learned it and I used it on this and so long after effects it's <laughs> like you will grow and grow and grow for years yeah. and years and years and you yeah. have to push yourself to do it before we started recording we were talking about doing sets versus so I had to cancel basically two shows to go see Book of Mormon I know the chances of that happening are so slim and never it's not like I'm booked up every single night of the week sure of course three things fell on one night and it just seemed like we'd been trying to go see Book of Mormon for years of course but missing it we were talking about that of like oh can you can you do it? Can you miss something like that? You yeah. know, I think when you're new into comedy or whatever you're doing, learning After Effects, whatever it is, right. y- your thoughts of what you will miss really are disproportionately ambitious. <laughs> so true. <laughs> you're like, should I go to that funeral? I can get a three-minute spot over here, and I think I need to. <laughs> this was one of your closest friends. I know, but... <laughs> but three minutes. I've been working out this tepid bit for... <laughs> it's about the strap on a bag and then the, the rash I got on my shoulder. And it's, I, I, How's that going to get better if I don't go work on it? i got to hold this son of a gun. Jerry's still going to be dead after my set. <laughs> we all mourn in our own ways. That doesn't sound like it. <laughs> sounds like you're a bit psychotic. Yeah. I also think, too, uh, no one pushes you or challenges you or uh, forces you to experience new things. Yeah. Like the CAA, whoever, they're not going to be like, hey, have you, you know, tried this or have you thought about this? Or they can help maybe facilitate your ideas, but they can't generate them for yeah. you. Yeah. So. Um, and that's the worst when people try. If you ever, hey, you know what? I, I I got a call one time when I was briefly with like one of the big agencies. Yeah. You know what I was thinking about with you? I go, oh, what? Yeah. I was thinking you as a host of a dating show. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, did you watch any of my stuff? Yeah. You're just kind of like, <laughs> I don't want you giving me ideas. This is the worst idea. All right. They're real estate agents, <laughs> but they're also bikini models hosted by. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am. My face is all. 
all bronzered up. <laughs> yeah. Stark white teeth. Ugh. Let's ha- let's make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, a nihilism of, of doing stuff like that. Do you ever feel that way sometimes? Like, what and, if I just did all the stuff? Yeah. Uh, nihilism in the sense of like if you did it and it didn't work out or you didn't try it or what if you just took everything what if you were not discerning in any way some opportunity presents itself and you have no sort of pros and cons list right everything in your life is just uh, yeah sure sounds like you're talking about Shaquille O'Neal's commercial career <laughs> wish I had some sound I'll cues in here it. I'll take it I'll take it he just has like him recording an auto reply yeah. I'll take it him and Keegan Michael Key yeah and true I saw recently like he's getting set to endorse Buttigieg I think he'll endorse anything <laughs> this, he will take any and all work oh he's being discerning about presidential candidates <laughs> the guy who liked Bud Light Seltzer he likes Buttigieg <laughs> you know what <laughs> you know what rocket mortgage guy yeah likes yeah, this yeah. just seemed insane to me uh, God bless uh, Key and Peel. I was on uh, their show I think this is like season four and this is they had already like they were Key and Peel, yeah. you know. But you walk on set, and both of them were like, "So glad you could make it." Hey, thank you for being That's here. Awesome. And you're just like, even if you're pretending, you're making me feel great. Yeah. You know, if that's not your uh, default position, and you, you're taking on this character, which I'm not saying they are by any stretch, but you're just like, the welcome wagon was just rolled out for you know for everyone who was there. Like, you're a valued contributor. It's the best. We were talking about that beforehand. Mm. Kind of. Something similar as far as like the, what do you call it? Like the customs within entertainment. Yeah. So you were talking about a guy who goes up and referenced uh, the the picture on the background of the stage. Yeah. And it was kind of this dark, like that's a building where I was molested. Yeah. And then the headliner referencing it after. And then we started talking about how, uh, when you're new at it, like say you're the opener and right. that headliner remembers your set or does something that shows they were watching. That's amazing. Yeah. But then you might see them show three or four later in the week and they're walking in, putting out a cigarette, like, Hey, did you do that molestation <laughs> bit? <laughs> you're like, Oh, you're just, you're still going to use it. But this is just all part of the parlor tricks now. Right. Smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a custom one that's good to learn, even if you don't mean it. Right. Is that like yeah. those guys had, they worked their way up. They worked hustled, their way up. hustled, uh, uh, wrote, created, succeeded to have something that successful on that network no less yeah. for that long right remarkable and in a way to go you hope that they went hey this is an amazing opportunity mm-hmm. But let's not forget who we were. We yeah. were Matt walking in to do a day roll. Yeah. Just a quick thing. Yeah. And it sucks when you show up in a place and everyone's just running around. And, Here, you're over there. That's where you change. Yeah. You don't have a trailer. What? You don't have a dressing room. Yeah. Just over there. What? <laughs> like, Can someone just say hi to me? I'm Coco. I'm Coco. <laughs> and God bless uh, Payman Benz, who is the director of the episode. Um, I had worked with him, you know, like maybe like a year before or two years before, and we did some video thing and then he just showed the video to them and he was oh, like hey awesome. what do you think of this guy for this part they're like great so he just texted me like what are you doing Tuesday it wasn't like can you come in and read he's just like they want you to be in this thing yeah. so to have no audition and then go to something like that because of payment and you know and there being openness was just like 
it just doesn't get it, that's not normally how it works you know no. what I mean normally how it works is you go on audition and then you never get it and the way you find out is you hear nothing at all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what do you think oh, no, no, no no it's not happening don't you have like a binder <clears throat> of all the sides you've read for yeah. like parts you've just read for and auditioned for yeah. something like that um, I've never I have a, a single sheet of uh, of every audition I've ever had in Hollywood wow. since I first started like when I first moved to LA I had never been on stage or anything and I took an acting class and the guy's like alright so here's this thing where, like you uh, it's the uh, the project name uh, the director who's working what you wore yada 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 your thoughts on it and so like for the first maybe five six seven years I would just fill that out and make a copy and uh, uh and then now the, with the internet it just you print it out and you three hole punch and yeah but, um there's maybe five and six thick three ring binders i'd probably put it somewhere around three thousand oh you know <laughs> and if i went through those and i took out the ones and put it next to the pile of the ones that you heard yes you yeah. like you don't want to show that to someone <laughs> who's just moved to town. Just, well, you got to work for 10 years before people will even start calling you in uh, with any regularity. And they still might not. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, the, the number of podcasts that are available, of mm -hmm. interviews with people that have... Obviously, there are a few like, oh, I was a child actor, and then I got cast in this giant global sensation. Right. Most other people, when you're hearing, you go, I know them. Right. You don't know their age, but you kind of just feel like they've kind of been around, and then right. they reveal they're 50 mm. or something, and this is a, the, the point where you're just becoming very familiar with them, mm -hmm. and hearing their story of, yeah, just that, like, around 10 years, this started to happen, yeah. around 15, this started to happen. Mm -hmm. It it's staggering what it takes in that way like oh man you really you really had to just be patient and keep working i remember reading this jack black interview years ago this was probably pre or maybe right around school of rock mm -hmm. and he was like you know i think if you're like one for 50 on auditions that's a pretty good batting yeah, average yeah, i uh, think people would read that and go i'm gonna find a different career <laughs> yeah, that's, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> that's before you've experienced it yeah reading about it one for 50 is brutal because you don't understand all the time put in of like learning right. lines driving there waiting in line right getting that rejection processing all those emotions here's another one right do i want to go through this all again yeah three and then also um not knowing how r truly bad you were at what you were trying to go and do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember uh, I had an audition for J.J. Abrams, and the only reason it came through, it, he was directing a promo for the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. And um, his casting director was April Webster, who did, like, all the ABC stuff. She's a big, big casting director. I mean, he's the biggest director. But since it was like a commercial, it came through my commercial agent, and so I went in to read for it, and it was JJ and uh, and April and myself and like a guy who had the um, running the video camera, mm -hmm. and I had two sentences that I had to say, and I think maybe there was four to five words in each sentence, and I was so nervous, and my mouth was so dry, I couldn't like. <laughs> <laughs> swallow and like get the words out I couldn't I couldn't remember two consecutive sentences and so uh, JJ because it was him or because the intimacy all, all of it all mm -hmm. of the stuff was just at the time where I was at in my life and career the moment was bigger than me yeah. I was not bigger than the moment so I I literally choked I was like don't oh. <laughs> And so he's sitting about this far away from me and you, and he uh, he leans in, he pats me on the knee. He's like, "Hey, that's okay, buddy." <laughs> 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 
if I could picture in my mind's eye how I wanted that scenario to go, it did not involve him patting me on the knee. That's okay, buddy. <laughs> Talking me off the off the ledge after I ch- after I choked and bombed, and I was like. <sighs> Is this one it's of those? All, it's all. It's the breaks. <laughs> I uh, pitched a show one time at a network that it was very uh, poorly suited for. Right. But as we were leaving, uh, these two women we had pitched the show to look over toward the elevators and they go, "There's the president of the network." Yeah. And I, they were kind of saying it like, "This is your shot if right. you want to." And there was a vision of me I could see going over there and just being like screw it I've heard enough of these stories why not try it sure hey I just pitched this show you should do it and then I just watched that moment disappear where I was like I'm not that attached to that moment yeah. I, I don't think this is right and I, and I don't know that I want to be one of those people right. that ambitious in that well, way the elevator door was closing and Huntsberger stuck his foot in there <laughs> and he was furious he was just, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. uh, I say it all the time I'm hungry I'm not starving I want to work I want to be involved but uh I would rather not be remembered than be remembered as uh, thirsty or wanting. But what if you, in that moment, you leave, you laugh at, that's okay, buddy. Yeah, that's okay, buddy. And I, it you, took me a long time to get over that, and I'm still but what not. If you, like, <laughs> but you, do you, in a way. You when know. you say you're not over, because I, I mean, you want to get sure. into like moments, and I think there's an idea of an afterlife that suits me well, where you you show up you know you're gone you know you're deceased right. you're no longer f- physically vibrant and living right but you don't know that your consciousness is any different uh-huh. and suddenly it and no one explains anything to you you just suddenly get like portaled through a thing and then you wake up yeah. And you're in the same situation, and it's up to you to determine if you remember what you goofed up. Right. So you're in eighth grade, and then here comes the person you have a crush on. Yeah. And you, hopefully it floods back, and you go, oh, I remember what I did here. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. But likely, life is filled with so many moments that seem big at the time right. that you would just be in that moment and go, I don't remember what I thought was important here. Yeah. And then they'd flash by, and you'd go, that's hilarious. And then back down the portal, and they go, you didn't change anything. You're like... I don't care. I, yeah. I cared a lot then and it stuck with me and I kept right. remembering it. Yeah. But I would guess if that were me, hey, it's okay, buddy, I'd leave the door and then as I drove home, picture myself knocking back on the door and yeah. can I try it once more? <laughs> and I get it and everything works no, out. Oh, yeah, right. Is that what- um, my wife, uh, she, I have yet to read this book, but she references it all the time. Uh, like The Wonderful Life of Isaac Ozokin or something like that. Isaac Ozokin is the, is the main character name. But okay. he has that opportunity to go back and relive like from like 10 on or whatever. And all of the choices he made at the time were still the ones he did now. It's like, hey, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's learning and growing and uh-huh. you know if you didn't get your door slammed the door slammed in your face by J.J. Abrams like maybe you wouldn't have worked as hard or maybe you would have you know yeah. also too there's um there's in the back of your mind someone telling you like well once this happens then this will happen now that I'm in with JJ I'm going to be in the next Star Trek movie it's just like yeah that's probably not going to happen you're going to do this one job you're going to get a paycheck maybe you're going to enroll a new fan and then you're going to see him in like 14 years and the story will be like I don't you remember we did that thing Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, buddy. <laughs> but it's probably not true. Do you? Yeah. I think of this sometimes as you get older, it starts to kind of, I assume this is what's happening. Life itself yeah. and everything that's happened start, started to give you a picture of who you, you are. Yeah. Even if you kind of think different. Getting into comedy, there was maybe a feeling, I, I think 
it would be cool. I don't know that this is something I aspire to, but yeah. like I'd be able to drop into any New York club and I'd be doing right. sets, you know? Yeah. And, then, and then you realize like, as you get into comedy, like I'm not one of those guys. Yeah. I went and hung out at them sometimes and was kind of like, this just isn't my scene. Yeah. From afar to envision it, it seemed really cool. When you're in there and you smell it and you're feeling the, you like, I don't know this, this is me. Yeah. And yeah. then as you get cast in things, as, as life put you kind and start going, am I, I think I'm just kind of this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you end up on some like, uh, some show that maybe you don't respect artistically that you know like and I'm air quoting fans that your fans are like what's he on this this isn't you know really his thing or yeah you know, a lot of times here in LA, you'd like do shows and there's eight, 10 people, and you know, you're back there and you're like, must the show go on? <laughs> must. <laughs> We're doing it. And it's being produced by someone who's just like, we did it. So you're like, if we did, you know, yeah. those are the ones where if I don't put, if I don't push artistically or something new, it's very difficult to drive home. Yeah. If you go and do the chestnuts at a 10-person show, you're like, ah. uh, The last set I had was uh, at the Dynasty Typewriter. In the green room, they set up a little stage during this Valentine's Day party that they had. Oh, so yeah. I was the uh, I was the MC. I also brought my piano and my tap dancing shoes. <laughs> so I was like playing piano and tap dancing at the same time and improvising songs. But there was only like 12 people there. And I was just like, I've had this in mind. I want to try it at least once. If I don't try it in front of these 12 people, uh, who, 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 you know, you yeah. don't really want to try it if you're given the chance and you don't, you know, so. One of my favorite sets I've seen you have, and I've seen a few at this point, <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> but we were in the newly renovated Improv Lab. I loved it when it was just the old black box kind mm -hmm, of long curtain. Mm -hmm. It's cool now, though, but there, the piano off to the side, yeah. like you were playing, it was a... It was a fun group, and those uh -huh. are the things that I really love about L.A. comedy. Agreed. Is that it's, it's not a, all the time a cool thing to do. Agreed. New York, seeing comedy's cool. Right. Here, you're like, everyone in this room is, if they went out in the middle of Des Moines, would right. be bothered. Yeah. And yeah. here, that everyone is in this room, and there's no bothered crowd. Bothered is the perfect word. <laughs> It would be, excuse me, can I right. get a, yeah. just a little like, oh, right. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to go out in public maybe in a smaller town. True. Des Moines tiny. But then they're in this room and the crowd's kind of there, but just right. maybe they've had a long day of seeing the Walk of Fame or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then you just kind of captured the feel of the room <laughs> and like you were weirdly kind of dark singing these songs. <laughs> but it was really, it, and everyone was just like enraptured by it. It oh, felt like thanks, hanging out Dave. at a jazz club at the end of the night really. thank you man i really appreciate no, that that was great yeah, it was yeah really fun. thanks sometimes um i and it's rare because i have to hire these guys i front a jazz quartet called the instrument players nice so i play piano and there's a stand-up bass there's a drummer and a, a saxophone player awesome but uh you know every time i do that show unless i'm doing like a longer set it's not not very cost it's cost prohibitive yeah you know so you're like no you do it when you can but um i have a, a like a rolling keyboard now and i have pre instruments that can kind of like back me yeah and, and do that so you know that's all you need yeah and i saw you had a keyboard in uh in the house you yeah tinkle in the ivories my my lady plays she's nice. like a classically trained really yeah wow. but she doesn't play that thing as much as um we expected she plays it from time to time yeah. she's kind of private with it so i'll come home and 
sometimes she'll be playing with headphones on and sure, then, but uh, when she's playing and like filling up the house with it I love it Beautiful. I always like envisioned when I was a kid we had a piano around but none of us are very good right. so I always envisioned like having a piano and when she goes home, her family has a piano that's beautiful. And she, someone is always on it playing mm-hmm. and it fills up the whole house. And I'm yeah. like, this is the best. Yeah. This is like what I kind of envisioned. But um, yeah, man. So uh, that to me is part of the arts, I guess. Like music being a vital thing. I'm yeah. always blown away by how frequently, you know, there's a period where like, comedians uh that played music mm-hmm. it was kind of like well that's kind of a, a right, gimmick right but then there's so many comedians that never play an instrument you go to their house or something like you play all these yeah like, oh, yeah i love music yeah and artists and and everyone it it all folds together I yeah feel like. i couldn't agree more uh i just for christmas i got the master classes you know that you see them advertised oh on, yeah you yeah know? and uh, the first one i watched was steve martin and it was Go right. It was great <laughs> because he'd always, you never see him like looking directly at the camera and speaking from his heart. Yeah. And that's what that was for like 12 videos, 15 videos. Really? Talking about his comedy concepts, uh, what works, what doesn't work. Uh, two takeaways from me. <clears throat> One, I had always called this a striking distance, you know, because in order for anything to happen, you just need to kind of stay in the pocket and be ready for that, you know, knockout punch. I like the way he put it better. He said, um, when it's your turn to be chosen, you need to be within pointing distance. You, uh-huh. you know, but if you're not uh, in L.A., New York, maybe Chicago, if you're not at a club, you don't have an agent, you don't, well, anything that can get you within like, you're the guy. Yeah. You need to work on that as soon as you can. And then two, uh, he said, use everything that you have. He's like, when I started, I had 10 minutes and I, they probably weren't very good, but I, I, I knew how to do magic and <laughs> I knew how to play the banjo. And he's like, and suddenly I'm stretching it. It's 20 and it's a half hour. And, uh, uh, he said he wanted his show to be an hour of people not knowing why they were laughing. Mm-hmm. You know, not to be, it was that, what was that? Uh, I had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> did you see, or did you read Born Standing Up? I did, yeah. I, I thought, I, just, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Because also, too, he didn't do like the thing where you're like, yeah, high school was rough. And then my first Tonight Show, yeah. it's like all those cumulative years were very flushed out. Yeah. And he was, uh, like we were discussing earlier, he was saying like, uh, my family wasn't funny. My home was not a source of like, you know, <laughs> we're all cards and we're all, yeah. he's like, that. I, I had that in me, but it wasn't at the base station, so to speak. Dude, so There was something, maybe an interview, I feel like it was in that book where he talked about like, so my association with him had always been like, loved him as a movie star, yeah. comedy, it was... I was more of a George Carlin guy, mm-hmm. very thought out, very mm-hmm. like kind of from that Lenny Bruce tree yeah, sure, where, of course. you know, we're, society, if it is just all woo, 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 yeah. is going to become reality shows and a bunch of idiots. Yeah. And so I kind of associated a little bit Steve Martin with that, not realizing how much craft went into what he was doing. Yeah. And in George Carlin, one of his books, kind of slights him a little. Really? Like, yeah, like, oh, I was, I knew I was like kind of at the peak of what I was doing and I could see other people you know kind of zeroing in and one of them was a wild and crazy guy so right. something like that yeah. Like, yeah. didn't worry me yeah. didn't worry me that this guy was gonna 
you know, challenge, I guess is the wrong word, but like what he was doing. Right. You're going to try and shift the paradigm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Steve Martin and whether it was that book or that interview or an interview goes, everyone was talking about politics and and things that were very heavy. And that was the thing. And he was like, I knew the window would break open and I was going to be right there and I was just going to be silly. Yeah. I was going to kind of give everyone something to just let it be known it's okay to just have fun. Yeah. And I love yeah. that, that there was like too. an ethos behind it. Yeah. And it, he had, uh, for his wild and crazy guy, his thought behind it uh, was like, he's like, you know those people like your Aunt Marjorie that just think they're a card? <laughs> yeah. she, you, know, like, you never know what she's going to do. Uh-huh. He said he adopted that. He's like, well, you guys know me. I'm a wild and crazy guy. And people like, once he did that and people, it resonated with people. It just pushed him to be to push it even farther and be like you know I'm a white tuxedo with an arrow through my head and nobody knows what I'm gonna do <laughs> but uh, yeah so I really I admired him for that and he had some really funny jokes that I think are still quotable you know mm-hmm. I'm so mad at my mother she's 102 years old she calls me up the other day she said she wants to borrow $10 for some food <laughs> <laughs> excuse me mom I work for a living <laughs> That's just hilarious. (laughs) I love that it's so subtle and that the indignation of a character like that is... I I don't love either when like people get in and break down like what comedy is, yeah. but if if someone's listening to that and they're like, well, that wasn't really a joke. Yeah, yeah. I just feel bad that your brain doesn't yeah. enjoy the idea that yeah. like your mother would call you <laughs> to borrow money, not ask for money, borrow it. Like I'll pay it back. Yeah, but I need food. <laughs> One hundred and two, and I need to live. Ah, so, so uh, she called me up uh, the other day. She said she can't pay me back. I said, "Mom, what's his bullshit?" You know, <laughs> so I'm having her work it off. Uh, she's moving my dumbbells up in the attic, <laughs> and then she's gonna fix my transmission. <laughs> That's great. So good. Yep. Uh, yep. Comedy. Comedy. And also, too, another thing that struck me is he said, use every moment. Like, if you if you have them on a roll, keep them on a roll. Like, he's like, even if I'm doing my hour and I am uh, I need to take a drink of water, sure, I'll take a drink. But <laughs> you, you spit it out and you kind of have that, like, uh, the moment is full of something that mm-hmm. is unexpected. Yeah, there's no downtime. Okay, there's no downtime. folks, that little vignette's over with. Let's yeah. reset. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a concert. It's like a, you know. A rolling thing. A rolling that, no thing. No wonder he quit. That must have been exhausting. <sighs> exhausting. 18,000 people. Yeah. Like, over and talk, over. He has a dime. All right. Uh, then, now look, it's now on tails. You know, it's like a <laughs> joke for people. It's, I, dude, I'm a thousand <laughs> yards away. <laughs> I can't even tell you have fingers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, I, I'm looking forward to doing more of those master classes. Next on the list is Ron Howard mm-hmm. uh, if, for directing. So, I, cause, oh, Well, let's get into that. I mean, you being... Uh, there's so many facets about you that I think are, are it's so compelling. Oh, or interesting. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, man. thanks, man. The biggest is that you stay positive. I you try had, to. Like, yeah. Some conventional success in getting roles, getting like I feel like you were in a Super Bowl commercial, maybe multiple times. Things that people, if they saw your face, go, "I know that guy." But then staying active with doing comedy, you know, some people would go like, "I got that Bud Light ad, I'm done." Like I, I did this. I can put a little down down payment on something, and uh, all those nights going out and doing open mics, they all paid off because this is what I wanted. Now I got a recurring role on this sitcom, and I'm good. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I love when people stay in it for 
what it feels like something drives them. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. And I do think um, whatever career has happened in that component, it just has been even more liberating in the other sense of I didn't need to make money at stand-up. Mm-hmm. You know? So if I was doing a show or going out every night, it was like it was because it was a new experience for me or it has maybe I'm working on a new bit or something like last year I had never been to um, the top five right corners of America Mm -hmm. you know like Maine New Hampshire Vermont so I put together like a little tour and it was um, five shows in five nights in five states so I was able to perform in all five states in five nights and only one of them was like a money maker the rest of them maybe they're like we're going to pass around a hat. You know, it was like one of those yeah. kind of shows. But I wasn't sitting there like, boy, if I don't if I don't break even on this rental car, the whole thing's a wash. It's like, well, this this thing that I did 2 years ago that's still kind of airy and is supplementing this, so it's it, it's all fine. Yeah. But um I like having uh new experiences and saying yes to stuff that I've never done. If I feel like I'm repeating something, you're like, "Eh, it's kind of um a lot of footprints in this neighborhood." But if it's something new, you're like, "Well, I've never been to you know Portland, Maine. Did so. you did you do the road at any point where you were like looping and kind of? I featured and I still will headline every once in a while. I I say now it's selected dates and festivals. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, for me, uh, majority of the time when I'm leave town, they're like, "Oh, now you have you have an audition for you know insert name of thing." And that becomes the choice of like, well, I could be a guy who's out 40 weeks a year or I could be in town for something that's going to be a little uh, be seen by a lot more people and make more money. Yeah. So when you're like, oh, I don't know, I promised the, you know, Indio Springs, I was going to be there. But you're like, hey, you got this opportunity. So I think it's the artist's journey to always kind of play both sides of it mm-hmm. I don't know how about you um, I I think the reason I brought that up is that you know the appeal of doing something different the new experience right, when right. you're a kid and you're you're standing at maybe a parent's side as mm-hmm. they meet up with someone and you know you get your hot dogs you go into your seat so it's a quick interaction right. hey what's new and they go same old yeah. And I remember so many people saying that that I thought that's so depressing. That's terrible. Even as a kid I just thought like that's it. It's yeah. just work, vacation, 4th of July, coming back around to the holidays. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Let's yeah. do it. Let's set it up again. We'll just keep doing this until we retire. I couldn't agree more. And so getting into something that I thought was so atypical with stand up and that mm-hmm. each experience, each moment is going to be different. Right. But then you the third or fourth time you come back to a club and you know where to check in, you know where the your the ice machine might be in this right. hotel you always stay at and right. everything starts being like it's kind of the same. Yeah. And that was weird to me to be like this can be a routine it doesn't always right. say that way clubs change hands they change owners sure. and managers and etc but if you get into that rut if there's a weird feeling of that of like oh it's the same old yeah and especially too now you, you know you can't really bring your feature they've got a feature yeah. they've got a host there so you spend you know three four or five days by yourself yeah just kind of uh, I always try and if I'm in a city I try and see the thing that that city's known for and at least take some some walks and some constitution yeah. but you're you know uh, all 
hotels look the same in every city and you know a lot of chain restaurants and a lot of yeah but yeah i i have that same feeling that you're talking about with people who like hear about something and say like man i've always wanted to learn guitar <laughs> just like dude you're alive you're a- you're currently alive right now yeah pick up a guitar and start playing tomorrow yeah or stop saying i always wanted to because if you say you wanted to and you don't you're just full of shit you know it's true it's, it's it makes you sound f- quasi interesting to say oh i always wanted to do yeah. that portugal huh <laughs> yeah i always wanted to go there. yeah it's like you do tomorrow go to lax buy a plane uh, ticket and you just fly just there. get the plane just get the, just get there and you can go then step out and you can say i've been to portugal yeah because we don't i mean that so many parts about that that people go wait you can't just do that what if i i don't have the money to do that i don't have this thing well of course there's a lot of good reasons not to do it we haven't decided what life means what it's about you have to kind of come to terms with that whatever age you're at to Mm go i think i'm gonna be one of those people that if i don't have a retirement fund but i can say i visited all 50 states yeah i'll say that's a success absolutely yeah uh one of my favorite quotes of all time i have it printed out it's on my bulletin board right by my desk it's arthur ash and he says start where you are Use what you have. Do what you can. And everyone is starting exactly where they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like taking my short film around to festivals you know, this past year. And, and I was like, you know what? Tonight, if you've ever had an idea for a movie, go home and see if the name of that movie's website is available. If it's like thebluesshirt.com, look it up. And if, if it's available, sit on it for, you know, buy it for $12 per yeah. year. That's good advice, man. Yeah, just get it. Yeah, and if, if it doesn't work out, nobody knows or cares. No one's ever going to be, hey, David, what, what happened to that blue shirt movie you are going to make? You're like, ugh, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have an idea for another movie that I really feel very strongly about, but I don't know if it if it's just exists in my mind because I haven't tried to make it happen yet. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I want to talk more about that and uh, give it up, the, the film that you have going around to festivals yeah, that we've, hey. we've screened at the Junk <laughs> Show. So I love fun. it. Yeah, that was so fun. Because there are a Thank lot of you, things. Man. Oh, sure, man. I'm happy to have. I love showing stuff like that. Yeah. It was mutually um, appreciated, appreciated as I assume, by everyone involved. And um, But there's there's some things we talked about here that I, want, that I think are relevant to that. Cool. So take a little break and then do that. We'll come back next week. For part two with Matt, we get a little further into it. I ask him more questions. We get into all the stuff, a little bit more philosophical, and some of his history with the more into the merchant marines and things like that. It's um, it's just a very interesting life, and I, I really enjoyed chatting with Matt. I hope you enjoy it as well. And if you like the show, as always, you can support it on Patreon. It's that's the best way to not only support the show, but it lets me know that people are listening. I'll see a new Patreon person. Oh, okay. People do listen to the show. Great. And if you um, do that, it helps keep the show ad-free, which I don't know if that's something that you mind or don't mind when you have to fast-forward through ads, but I like to keep it one small thing in the world that's not bombarding you with advertisements, and that is made possible by contributions from listeners just like you. So thanks so much to those of you who do support the show. You can do other stuff too, like rate or review or subscribe on uh, any of the platforms where, where you find the podcast. You can just tell a friend, tell one person that you like the show, and uh, and that'll be helpful. And if you have suggestions, you can email pings at the space cave 
whether that's beer, music, topics, guests, whatever. And you can see previous photos at thespacecave.com. Maybe one day I'll get around to putting them on Instagram. But as of yet, it has not happened. Um, but yeah, you can go to thespacecave.com and see previous guest photos and beer, etc. Um, I think that's it. As usual, thanks to Rob Crow for the theme song. We're sending good energy down under to Dan and Ashley. I hope you're remembering to do that. And to our friend Gene Hospod. It just seems like there are so many people out there in the world that need a little um, positive energy, a little tip of the cap to Brody Stevens, sent in their direction. So let's, if you get some time, try to do that for those folks, because I know they'd appreciate it. And uh, who wouldn't want to hear some good news? So hopefully we'll be hearing that on all fronts very soon. And um, yeah, let's get you out of here. (laughs) As if you're in a, a tunnel somewhere waiting for a train. Let's get you out of here, folks. Oh, the train's pulling up. Do you hear that? Well, let's get you going. This is a song called Ego by an L.A. band called Moaning. They're new. I like it. Hope you do as well. Thanks for stopping by the Space Cave. The highest high.